Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us. The Blood Force Gamers. About a month and a half into this horror show of isolation and madness. Madness. Especially in our local area. Some of you might be free by now. That's right. I just want to say at this point, before we get into the topic of gaming right now that those who have gone outside with picket signs protesting a virus okay and you know who you motherfuckers are if you're outside protesting a virus i want to tell you something that i found out about mother nature at a very young age Mother Nature does not give a fuck about your picket signs, your protests, and your feelings. If there is going to be an infection that gets with your system and does massive amounts of harm to your kidneys, heart, liver, lungs, pancreas, spleen, or what other internal organs you may or may not have, it's going to fucking happen. Picket signs, protesting, and screaming is not going to change the way a virus spreads and acts. It will change it insofar as it's helping it along. Now, with that said, let's stop paying attention to the stupidity on Twitter, the news, or YouTube, and talk about some fun shit for a change. Now, Okay, let me put on my smile here and get all happy. <laughs> we are going to talk about the skills that you develop as a game master in the world of leadership. Villainy for a better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. So, starting off in my experience over the course of the last quarter century. Dude, your name tag. My name tag. They don't need my name tag. They know who the fuck I am. Because I'm the one who opens up by swearing. But if you are new to the show, I am the Game Goblin. Or Goblin for short. Or Short Stack. Just don't call me late for dinner. And I am seated here today with... Darth Blasphemous. Hail to the dark side. And... Kazarkandy Lord Dragon. Are you happy now? We've dropped our name tags. Yes, since I think we may or may not have forgotten to do so the previous. Due to technical difficulties on the fact of it had been over a month since we recorded. (laughs) Yeah. And again, someone has forgotten the thumb drive. Regardless, as a leader, you need to be mindful of all of the things that you have to take care of in advance. Of course, you have your dice your books, your notes, keeping your notes in order, not sharing your books with the players. Never share your books with the players. 
Especially the one labeled Dungeon Master's Guide. This is information you're supposed to know behind the screen. Information control is part of your job and you should have expectations not to just hand this book over to players and, you know, make sure, you know, that you can trust it. They may or may not be looking up at the stats of NPCs within said book before the beginning of an encounter. Remember, timing is half of power gaming. And if you time when you get a hold of the book to know the stats in advance, you win. As a GM, you need to look out for this kind of crap. You also, let's see, Blasphemous and Kazrakan both know that as a GM, you are expected to schedule shit. How, was, how should we put this? Schedulous Maximus Prime! Yep. Yep. Now if only the damn cats would get in the fucking bin! Trying to herd the cats is your job, yes. Trying to not let them game until 5am on something to show up three hours late. Yes, I'm talking about you, Jiggles, and your fucking replay of God of War. Um, but yeah, definitely hurting the gamers. Yeah, you gotta herd the cats. That's part of your responsibilities. You cannot depend... And I've... In the last 25 or so years, I've never had a gamer go, okay, my house is going to be available at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Usually it's up to the gym going, hey, we need your house by 3. And the player will be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll make sure the roommates are out. Or, you know, the wife will be away at work. It's really weird. There's like never been a... Per uh, this is my experience, but it may happen differently at other tables. Experiences may vary. Experiences may vary. But as the GM, it falls to me to go, okay, we're gaming on the first and third Saturday of every month. We're going to be gaming at Fuckwit's house because Fuckwit says they have a living room that's available on those Saturdays. It is your job to schedule and coordinate both the time and location. By default, and sometimes the rides. Sometimes the rides, yes. Or food, or drink, or planned breaks. Crazy well, shit. Like well, that. actually, yeah, that's a good uh, side note there is the food. Because this is a, a group activity, and usually there's like a hat passed around like at church, and people throw money in and be like, yeah, I want a pizza. And it's really weird, because you as the GM... I would say maybe 75% of the time, usually wind up to be the guy who orders. You collect all the data from everybody. It's like, okay, what do you want for toppings? What do you not want for toppings? No mushrooms, no anchovies. Yeah, what do you want? Put extra mushrooms on my side then. Stuff like I that. I don't like, like them in the same box as my pizza. <laughs> I want them in a half cheese, half pepperoni. Okay, fine. Yeah, this comes out to use the GM, like, you become the order, like the, the the waitress, or the waiter, or whichever. But yeah, when it comes food time and everybody's like, oh, I'm starting to get hungry, it's up to the GM, nine times out of ten, okay, 7.5 times out of ten, to take everybody's order, collect all the money, call into the restaurant, and then answer the door when food arrives. Or send someone. Or send somebody. Yeah, you delegate the task. It's like, okay, your character's not doing anything right now. Go get the food. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you wind up as like the chief delegator when it comes food time. It's really weird. Or you can be that awesome GM who's like, you know what? I'm going to cook fucking burgers. So y'all get your asses here and bring like chips, fries, fucking at, at potato point, salad. Y'all bring something. We're potlucking this shit. I'm making burgers. Yeah. And, you know, that's still a matter of delegation, which is like, so far we've touched on coordination, data control, uh, delegation. Um, we've also like and the vast event planning. You know, planning is in there because, like, a vast majority of the time, I know you guys have the tradition of documenter. Yes. Uh, Super but useful. Most of the, it's very useful, but most of the time, GM most, is the documenter. Most of the time, GM is the documenter. All they're taking notes after game or during game, like so and so got chlamydia. The bard totally whiffed and did not get any tail that night. His god notates that. Yeah, his god notates that the bard failed his seduction role. Whoopity shit. Like yeah. a fucking pleb. When it comes down to, like... Well, I figured the alchemy score would work. For the actual gameplay itself, though, like, the documenter is probably, like, taking notes on, you know, party contacts, their funds, their budget... Uh, notable places to go. The GM is like writing down notes like, okay, so they defeated the army at Zelbaxia. Gonna take a note down. And the king, who's a friend of Zelbaxia, plus the emperor, who's a uh, half-brother to the king, and of course his niece, who's also currently married to the archduke. These guys are now pissed off at the player, so I better take a note at that, because that's the outcome of that battle. So the GM is like planning in advance. He's planning like battle notes of what uh, NPCs are thinking about the players as shit goes down. So the GM is doing the behind the notes or behind the scenes notes. The players are doing the, oh yeah, we actually went to that whorehouse and we got a contact. Her name is Sophia. So we're gonna go see Sophia, and the GM will be like, ah, okay. The documenter is usually, as far as I can tell, writing notes for player knowledge. Yeah. The GM is writing notes for GM knowledge and continuing to keep the game progressing forward. Right. You know, like history of wins, losses, defeats, uh, political ties, stuff like that. Or you sometimes have that breakout player who ha, becomes the leader of the party of their own merit and they weren't even there. Yes, again, I'm talking about you, Jiggles. Who literally has an entire page of notes for contacts they personally have made, whether it's for the party or themselves. Someone who has actually gone the extra mile of their own volition when all I had to do was provide everyone ten pieces of paper. Yeah, and a GM also needs to note that you're talking as supplies, a quartermaster. Yeah. yeah, you are a quartermaster. Uh, Spare like, dice, pencils, spare dice. pencils number one. Pencils number one. Paper. Always have the box of pencils. And the, spare dice. The and box of note cards. Yeah. That's how we do votes. I did the spare dice thing, and they disappeared. I still think somebody threw them away, or stole them. Mm, I. You talking those old player killers? My player killer dice. Yeah. I have information on the player killer dice. Oh. I'm gonna have to talk to you about the player killer dice later, because thankfully, Jen doesn't listen. Oh, anyway. Because guess who was helping someone clean out a box from their, not the last apartment, 
the original apartment that they were in for almost like five years. Mm. Oh, anyway. Who was packed by someone who may or may not be of a certain faith. Anyway, I'm sure Mr. Saturday will help me out of that endeavor if I get chummy with him and pay him proper respect. However, however, neither here nor there. I'm not here to invoke his name over personal grievances. I'm here to say that as the game master, yes, that did register on a recording. Congratulations, people. If you heard that, you heard Darth Blasphemous fart in his computer chair. Anyway, as a leader, you also need to know to look out for what talents and skills people have at the table. In and out of character. In and out of character. For field promotions. And the same goes, because the, the original inspiration for this topic actually came up. I was talking with a guy who's a guild leader, who's new to being a guild leader in an MMO, because, hey, we've had a lot of time to do online shit. Right. He's new to being an MMO leader in a guild. So he's like, well, what are some tips and tricks? This is one of my passed off to him, is you got to know when to do field promotions. When somebody is actually like really raising the bar, stepping ahead of the curve, you know they're they're rallying the other people, and you're busy delegating a shit ton of other tap, you know things. Know when to pay it forward. And don't say, "Hey, I'm going to throw more work at you." That is not the way you feel promote. Okay, you have to have some candor in the way you speak to people. You have to be like, "Look, you're really stepping it up. People look up to you, so I'm going to elevate you to a leadership position." If you agree... Oi! Ah! Bubbles! <laughs> That's my Mountain Dew of the second week. Anyway, you gotta know not only how to talk to them and use tact and candor, but you have to sell the person on it and not be like, Oh, you're a great worker, monkey, so here's more work. You'd be like, No, people look up to you, they follow, and I'm off doing other shit right now, and you're critical to me continuing to keep things going smoothly. So I'd really appreciate it. If I just made this title official. You're already doing the work. I just want to put a gold star next to your name. And make it official. Yeah. Change the color of the Discord tag. I just, like I, want to, I just want to change the color on your Discord tag. Or, you know, add a little thing next to your name that says, you know, Fleet Advisor or something. You know, just pay it forward let you know I'm recognizing your efforts. Mm -hmm. You and are like, now a paladin of Krom. Pal what? Fuck you, Crom. And number two, don't bump the table. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying that part of being a leader, and, you know, it's really strange because before playing Dungeons & Dragons at all, ever, before playing Vampire to Masquerade, and just being me, I was already somebody who already, like, Earned gravity? I already had that a bit of gravity. I could, like, rope in, like, four or five people, which is perfect for a game group. That's awesome. And not too many more. And you guys know this, and poor Darius now knows this, and other people, that I have a hard time going outside without bumping into somebody I know. It's just really fun at con. <laughs> yeah, even... Even Spocon, I bumped into people I knew. I'm, like, six hours away from my house. <laughs> <laughs> and probably hadn't seen them in longer than you where I've been alive. Yeah, it's really weird to have people come back to my place and be like, yeah, I mentioned your name up in Bellingham. 
and people knew you. And I'm like, the fuck, right? So <laughs> I already, my name doing up there. I, I already had that natural bubble to have people at a, not a close distance, but a casual distance. You know, so I've already got my, my rotation going on. Of, you know, uh, within a couple of AUs to my left, which is astronomical unit for the layman. Right. It's the distance from the Earth to the Sun on average. So or about, if you're from New York, it's AU. AU. So about two AUs out, I know there's a dude over there that'd be really great to bring into my game. So I'm, maybe I want to pull him into my gravitational orbit. You got to know who to pick and choose for your game. You know, when to pull them in. And once I got into gaming, though, my gravitational force, especially when it came to gaming, got stronger. Oh, my, yes. Well, it's really weird. Like, even now, I'm kind of on the bench. I get up, and I'm like, I feel like running a game. And, and he gets volunteers. And people call me, and they're like, I will rearrange my schedule. Set the time. I will make it happen. That is complimentary as fuck. And for any game master who stands up and says, I'm thinking about running a game and half people stand up and be like, I'm joining. Set the time. I'll make it work. I'll change uh, my work schedule. My advice from a leadership point of view, and I've been a GM for a while, so I think I might have a little bit of cred on this. Do not let it go to your ego. Now your job has to become not to let these people down because they are willing and able to jump in on something that you're willing to do which is currently speculative which is currently speculative just for that fact alone that is they are complementing your capabilities and what you bring to the table and as a uh, a leader you should recognize this and be like these are the people i want to continue to impress not not the, not a you know not like customer service where oh i've already impressed them Fuck them. I want to impre impress more people. No, impress a small uh, circle of people that are in your game group and continue to impress them. Never stop trying to impress your core group or anybody who comes near your gravitational pull as a GM. That's like one of the first leadership skills I've learned. I've had people get up and walk out of my games. And the first question I ask is not what's wrong with them. What I do is yeah, how do I improve? What did I do in this game setting that caused the chain of events to go to the point where I had a player get up and leave? Was it who else I picked to come to the table? Was it a rules call I made? Was it a way I spoke to them? Or to their character. Or was it a way that I spoke to their character? What exactly happened? How do I rectify this situation? And how do I recreate results? in such a manner that this situation does not result again. So I improve what's in my Petri dish of nasty things growing. Full Chinese alchemy pot. It's science, right? Yeah, Chinese alchemy pot. I just piss in it and make pills. That is actual uh, TCM. <laughs> it's made of pee. No. One, you eat it. <laughs> Yuck. Sorry, I'm in America. We eat cows. God fucking damn it. Yeah, I know. I'm going to hell. But you know what? I'm a Mongrorian. My blood type says so. So it's not racist for me to dislike Chinese people. It's my imperial right. It's your heritage. Yuve, yuve, you. 
Shug, shug, motherfuckers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. And I, I should say, as a GM, you need to be prepared for your players to go off on tangents and prepared for yourself to go off on a tangent. It's going to happen. And Yeah, it's going to happen. And know when to rein it in. Yeah, and the how when, of reining it in, that's a thing. It's, you know, just like scheduling. It's, it's hurting cats. It's knowing when to drop this sort of you know, fun, laughing thing. It's like, okay, okay, guys, back on topic, please. And, like, having, understanding the voice modulation needed to do that, as well as just general communication. Absolutely. Right? It's not, hey, dudes, let's get back to gaming. It's, dudes, let's get back to gaming. There is a quantitative or, difference or between even how like, you uh, In one situation we had, it was basically my fault for starting it. <laughs> and this was back during that, that phase that I had where I was always the creature. And I'm in the middle of combat and I'm playing a monk-sorcerer combo. And I use Death Watch on my opponent to see how many hit points they have. I specifically run up on said opponent, use Stunning Fist, punch them to stun them, and then while they're stunned... Use non-lethal damage, because monks can choose which type they do with their fist. I punch him to zero hit points of non-lethal. So he is knocked out. And then I gouge out his goddamn eyeball and skull-fucking him in the middle of combat. Yes. I skull-fucked a guy I knocked out in combat. And had Death Watch up the whole time, so I knew every thrust... Was one hit point lethal. <laughs> so I knew I had X amount of thrusts before he would die, so I had to finish up real quick. Meanwhile, the rest of the party are fighting for their life. <laughs> I was a bad player. <laughs> I admit it. Problem is, that was my one time on this joke. I was done with it after that point. I just wanted to do it this one time to fuck with the GM and be done with it. You know, just be like, this is the level of crazy I'll go if you don't take your game seriously. Problem was, next combat comes up, somebody else decides to skull fuck. Okay, the, the joke was hilarious when I did it. Because <laughs> nobody else had ever done that in our game group before. Ever. It was one time innovative. Somebody else did it. I was like, ha ha, you're repeating me. That's pretty funny. Okay, I get it. That's fun. Moving along, another combat springs up, and yet another skull fucker arises. Now you're starting to worry about this can of worms you've opened. Now, I'm not really worried about the can of worms. I'm just like, look, the joke got old. Okay. Silly. Whatever. Next combat springs up and the cleric has the raise dead spell. But she doesn't have a dick so she uses raise dead to raise a zombie to dry up somebody's face. You can see how the joke was hilarious and got old real fast. It took three steps. And as a game master... The first time somebody does something, you know, and it's off the wall, balls, bonkers and stuff. And even, as much as I hate to give him too much credit, 
But I will definitely give credit to Matt Mercer on this one. As he had one player drop their pants and take a crap on a bed. You know what? First time. Hey, that was pretty funny, right? Ha <laughs> ha. There's a gnome taking a crap. Woo! Okay. Moving along. You know, we had our moment. One of the other players decides to drop her pants and take a crap on another bed. And Matt was like, is that something your character would do? Hard shutdown. That was a hard stop. Do not pass go. And that's the thing a GM has to look out for is, yes, my GM at the time could have looked at my uh, monk sorcerer character and said, ah, okay, you're dry humping, your character's crazy anyway, whoopity crap. But when it came down to the cleric, you know, he could have been like, um, you worship a nature god. Do you think they're really going to appreciate you raising the dead? For this? For a joke? <clears throat> yeah. So as a GM, you got to know when to step in and how to step in to hard stop shit like that. Yeah, players are going to do goofy shit, you know, and let everybody have their moment. You know, there's there's no reason why a GM should not hard stop everybody. But there is a definite, you know, unspoken line in the sand. You know, like X amount of times per game session or... X amount of evil characters can do X evil shit. But if it gets to a certain point, the GM's going to have to be like, well, is that something your character would do? Or is that something your character's god would appreciate? Or how do you think your militia trainer would respond? What about your oath? Yeah, what about your paladin's oath? You know, if a player starts getting you know, real crazy and the GM has had enough of that, there's ways to shut it down, but be ready... And one of the skills you're going to learn as a game master or a guild master in MMOs like EverQuest or World of Warcraft is how to shut shit down fast or better yet, merge left lane right. You know, just just shift the track, keep the traffic flowing, but merge it from the path that the players are trying to take it into something else and be diplomatic at it. You're going to learn to think on your feet. Not only uh, diplomacy, but debate. I am terrible at debate, and no, hear hear me out. So you, what you see, think... he just won. Exactly. <laughs> I have practice with this. So any time that you, as a GM, have to make a rules call, you are running a debate with yourself, possibly with your players if that's your style. But it's like okay. Sell me on this. Why do you think this is going to work the way you think it's going to work? Sell me on how you want to use your knowledge nobility in place of diplomacy. You know, there is actually a page that I bookmark in nearly every GM book before I run a game. And I read the line over and over and over. I usually memorize the page number. And I have yet to drop the Tsar Bomba, the, the big one. The rule that I will drop on the table and it will blow windows out 20 kilometers away. <laughs> I've yet I, to know I know exactly which Yeah, rule. you know exactly that rule yeah. that I would go to. I have alluded to it. I've made mention of it. But I have yet to recite the rule word for word by what game system it is. Or the page number. Because, you know, there's. I think one time I was like, page 193. 
And they were like, what? What's that? And I'm like, if you read that page, you will know. You will know, Mr. Rules Lawyer, since you memorize all the pages, memorize that page, page 193, and then we'll talk. Right? Because they remember every other fucking rule. But they are really selective about one paragraph. Or, you know, in some cases, it's just easy to gloss that. Yeah, it's easy to gloss that. And one of the big rules is that usually almost every game, and I've yet to encounter a game that doesn't have this rule, is all the rules within the rule book are guidelines. They are not set in concrete. They are not the people of Pompeii 2,000 years later. (laughs) They are a little bit more wibbly-nibbly than that, like the beaches of Hawaii. You know, they're a little mm. wishy-washy. You know, you, you get... The, the beaches will wash away if you don't keep adding sand, which is the storyline and gameplay elements, but... The rules are guidelines, and the GM is free to go... Fuck that rule at any time he wants. But as a leader, you gotta know when to say fuck that rule. And a big thing with that is you don't want to be someone who... Has changed all the rules to basically a new custom system but refuses to share the rule book with all the players who are expected to know the rules. And I'm sorry, uh, but... I know what you're alluding to. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. the, the biggest thing I can say is, as a GM, when it comes down to me thinking of the situation, it's simple. The My rule always goes when it comes to, well, I want to use this instead of that. You make this kind of roll. I'm not going to let you roll your disguise instead of your stealth. I'm not going to let you roll knowledge engineering over your knowledge dungeoneering and the whole thing is you don't got it you don't know it i'm sorry it's like being you know drafted into being a fucking doctor you're not gonna know how to fucking perform surgery i don't care if you have a cousin who was a nurse at a fucking pharmacy you're not gonna know how to do surgery i know how to do surgery i read it in the comic book once (laughs) you old rusty butter knife (laughs) Oh, and speaking of that's another fifth ed thing, apparently. Oh, gods. Because <laughs> how was it you and your roommate had stated it for being able to bullshit the uh, the roles? In what way? Okay, uh, was, i got to hear about this. Is when we had the big discussion on, I think it was about two weeks ago or so, about the whole trained, untrained ranks thing in Pathfinder. And how if you don't have... A rank, you can't use a knowledge. That's why I only had the two knowledge skills I had for something. Uh, right, because I've only got uh, done or yeah, as a rogue, I've got dungeoneering and local. And you've got I them. couldn't make any nobility rolls. And you guys were going on about ways to use other rolls for other things. Last I and checked, you could make an intelligence roll in Pathfinder, but at a negative. Yeah, and that's one of the things we were trying to avoid because I have. Of a decent int, but it wouldn't negate the negative. I mean, everybody knows who the fucking king is in whatever region they live in. They usually know who the local baron or governor or count is. Of where they live. Yeah. I may not... But if I go to another settlement on the other side of the mountains with a whole different hierarchy that's different Then you get negatives. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing of, yes, I can make an intelligence roll. But we're all trying to mitigate and try and get so that we have less penalties you know like and that's i don't have knowledge to... nobility i know who the president is and i know who the well up until recently i know who the governor of washington is 
Let's you see know, how that I know goes. who our Senate representative is. I don't know that one. Uh, you, but really, you know, I don't pay much attention to that. So if mm -hmm. I was a character on a sheet, obviously I would get negatives on knowledge nobility because I don't know who the mayor is. Mm -hmm. I up until recently, you don't know your alderman. I I see signs on the side of the street that says "Vote for this asshole," and I'm like, "Fuck that asshole." Those signs are up all year too. Like every you know, year. I'm, yeah. You know, like, hey, I am really Team America here, okay? Right? The world is filled with three kinds of people. And when I walk down the street and I see all these signs, all I see is pussies and assholes. And I want to fuck them both. And I get confused sometimes. And I forget that, you know, a pussy and an asshole is only about an inch and a half apart. And I start fucking assholes. You just get shit all over the place. <laughs> well, that, that's just the thing. You guys are talking about how in, um, what was it, D&D, &D, uh, I forget the example Damn you used. Um, was it, if you were traveling down the road and your party consists of like a cleric and a sorcerer, I, the fighter, would know something about magic. And it's like, that's not nothing to mitigate negatives or give you a bonus. And uh, I just—that's so, the part that stuck with me about. Oh, so Fifth what you're talking about is knowledge by association. Yeah. So, what was going on with this is, like, it's a little bit of an in-character reason that you can justify having not a total negative to a skill, and it's basically all it is—is is knowledge like, by osmosis. Well, like uh, if you if you as a fighter are working with a sorcerer and a cleric. And you recognize the motions that the sorcerer has done to produce fire, and you see one of the enemy guys doing those same motions, you're like, fuck, that probably means fire. I'm going to hit that guy. That's that's the uh, sort of this, knowledge this by osmosis. This is where we get into the uh, debate portion. <laughs> exactly, and this, uh. is, this is exactly where he's going with this. And yeah. I think, ultimately, it is a storyteller's prerogative mm -hmm. on how. Because, like Goblin said... In every role-playing system, these GM rules are guidelines, and the GM, or DM, or whatever their title mm. is, has the full and complete right to change them as they so choose. Yeah, and, and yeah. I would make it, uh, and here's one of the things that a GM has to do, a game master, a leader, uh, even, well, not so much in the world of MMOs, uh, which is more people management, uh, but in... Tabletop gaming, which is definitely people management in its own right. Also, one of the first things I would do, like say with your example there, I would make it known by the guidelines I've set forth, and I have to stick by these guidelines as a game master the moment I lay them on the table. Mm -hmm. If I'm say if I say rolls to hit somebody must beat their armor class, not meet or beat. But they must be higher. So if their armor class is 14, you have to hit a 15 or higher on your total number score mm -hmm. to hit them. I have to stand by that rule. For exactly. the or rest of the game one play. that we've been bringing, or uh, one of our party mates has been bringing up is uh, tie goes to player. I've heard them mention this several times. They're like, oh, you tied it. I mean... It's the same concept. It's... It, it is down to GM preference, yes. But I, I have to say, from my standpoint, it's the point of, at these points, your character sheets have to mean something. And where you decide to put your points or attributes or anything 
has to mean something. So it's not well, going to yeah. be, oh, well, you know, you uh, you once shared a room with a uh, necromancer. So you totally, totally get that plus one on uh, knowledge religion. I it's, would... Yeah. It's, it's knowledge by osmosis is not a thing. Like I can travel for six years with Bill Nye the fucking science douche waffle. He's an engineer. I might pick up some cool things he somewhat knows, but I'm not gonna know it like it's being taught to me by actual professionals in a way that I am taught it for a purpose. Right. I'm not gonna know it like how I know how to do multiplication tables. No. I mean, I can hang out with Goblin forever, and that's never going to completely translate to giving me a professional bonus on being a machinist, because I'm not a machinist. I am a, a mechanic. And they're very different professions, even though they're in the same companies. They're, they're in the same companies. Or, you know, yeah. It's, but back to the full circle here, putting it back on topic. Ha-ha! Practice! <laughs> but putting Herding it back cats. here, uh, one of the first things, though, and the same goes whether you're running a, ga- a guild online or if you're running a group of gamers at the table, anything you lay forward and nip it in the bud early. So... If you came up and you said, knowledge by osmosis, I see the sorcerer waving his hands in a specific manner, and I expect other sorcerers to do the same thing, I would have to nip that in the bud early. And not only that, I would have to say, okay, well, here is the way sorcerers are written. Each one is individualistic. So the hand gestures one sorcerer makes is different from another sorcerer because the, what you're thinking is the school of wizardry where they all learn the same rotes and incantations where they study magic more like a science it happens more naturally for sorcerers and they just do whatever would you would you they want so each sorcerer is more individualistic mm-hmm. so you can try but you're going to get some severe negatives because each sorcerer is different and the last one you encountered was dragon blooded and this one is obviously shadow blooded so there might be some similarities but there may, there's also some glaring differences. And then, on top of that, the, the icing on the cake, and this goes for the same no matter where I'm at, if I'm running a group of individuals in a game setting, I have to stick to the rules I set forth after that point. I have to maintain a, a stable currency that people know what to expect from me at that point. That I'm not going to arbitrarily just get wibbly nibbly with the rules and change them how I feel at the moment. So you guys. And then I'm going to hand you a taco. I'm going <laughs> to hand you a taco. And and how did I respond? Okay, he, uh, I was telling the taco story a while back. And how did I counter the tacos being handed to me? <laughs> Hey, I'm on to you now. How did I handle that? Exactly. <laughs> okay, so for our listeners, the taco stories, I was running a game, and somebody would, you know, ask me a question as a game master, and my decision-making process has kicked in. I'm running a fantasy game, but I have to take into account real-world physics at the same time. So I'm trying to balance these and still tell the best story possible to my players. Mm-hmm. So while I'm trying to make a decision, one of the other players sitting across from the room had picked up a 12-pack of soft tacos. He knows I don't eat... I can't eat the crunchy ones. So he picks up a pack of soft tacos. So as I'm sitting there, hemming and hawing, crunching the numbers in my head and being like, how can I make this decision work out for the best, for not just the players, but myself, the story, everything involved. 
How does the world respond? How does the world respond? He's like, hey, Goblin, you want a taco? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want a taco. Suddenly, I'm much more agreeable to the player's decisions. (laughs) And I make a rules call that is more in their favor. This happens again a little bit later. I'm hemming and hawing. I'm trying to think of, you know, the best call possible. And again, the player's like, hey, dude, you want a taco? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want a taco. <laughs> so he gives me another taco, and I put more hot sauce on it, and, you know, mow my taco, and I'm like, all right, fine, you know, rules call in your favor. I'm good with this. A little while later. Third time. Third time. And this is like two hours later, so the tacos were way cold by this point, but still, they're tacos, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Soft tacos. And he's like, hey, you want a taco? And I get up and I take two steps across the living room and I'm like, and you got to recognize when players do this shit as a leader, (laughs) when they're baiting you or they're trying to buy favors. And I'm like, every time tonight I've had to make a hard decision, you give me a taco. I'm on to you. And... I, I laid down the rule at that point because I everybody knows that I have a rule that I do not accept GM bribes. I, I you know, you don't buy me an extra pizza for favor for the group. You know, you you don't buy me a six pack of taquitos or anything. You like don't that. pick him up a pack of smokes. You don't pick me up a or toilet paper or toilet. Well, the toilet paper was, that was different. A, I, that was exactly yeah, that, why I brought it up. The toilet paper was different because the rewards were for the group. Exactly. Um, it wasn't the rewards weren't for me in any way, shape, or form. They were for the group. I'm like, hey, chip in because you all are gaming here. Yeah, yeah. And that pack of toilet paper, it was what 144 rolls. Was, uh, 70, no, 64 like a, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was like, like a 64. Roll. I went to Costco. Yeah. yeah, you went to Costco. I went to Costco. I got a big one years. of like. Yeah, I did. It lasted. It lasted about three longer years. than the actual game we were in. I know, right? <laughs> But you guys got 6,400 XP out of it because it was 100 XP per roll. I'm like, I got this, guys. Yeah. Bam. Bam. Uh, But (laughs) but I did. I set forward. Everybody knows that I have this rule. And I have to stick currently to the rules that I set forward, no matter what games. And when I started this game in particular, you know, the rule was I don't take bribes. This has always been my rule. So now here I am taking bribes. And at this moment, what do I have for choices? I could be like, aha, you were bribing me, good one, sit back down and start running game. That means everybody else knows that if they are sneaky enough, they can bribe me without me knowing, just like one person had done for two tacos. <laughs> or I could be like, no more tacos for me, dude. Unless it's after game, no more during game session, because that will influence the decisions I make. I appreciate the kindness. I, I appreciate your gesture, dude. I appreciate you actually being fucking creative about it. But but no. <laughs> I, I can't have my decisions influenced during game because it may fa- cause me, as a game master, to treat another player unfairly. You know, if I take bribes from one player, another player may not have the money to give me bribes or may just do something stupid. I might start treating them more unfairly because they're not giving me mandatory donations. Yeah, it's like how some people in Suit the Rule, you're late to game, you owe GM food. It's like, nah, I don't do that. I just go, we're all coming to game, everybody potluck. No, I'm like, if you're late to game, you get less XP. 
That too. And that's definitely a thing, and as a GM, making sure that these rules are known to the, to the group. Thankfully, we live in the day of modern media where you can have a Discord page or a Facebook group. And you can post all these and pin them to the top of everything so you can be... If you need to be see why this rule is, go and check the group. Because there it is, black and white, can't be changed. Alright. So there's also, you know, one more thing on the subject of disputes. Oh, disputes. Go for it. Settling disputes between others. So, this is not... This ended G- up in three months of... No, what was it? Five months of real life arguing over a sword. Right. <laughs> this. <laughs> I had it to was tell a that story. brilliant, brilliantly done thing by the GM. It was full, too... Full tilt. It was the... too smart for the GM's good, though. But there was a point that this had to be a thing. It had to be stopped. Full tilt stopped. I think it's the only time I've ever seen a game group hold or stage an intervention over an imaginary item. <laughs> Damn right we did. <laughs> it happened after he smote the shit out of my character. Yeah, no, but, we got like five more sessions out of that. Yeah, but you guys literally sat down and had an intervention. <laughs> like, like it was like... Both in and out of character. It was both in and out of character, but... It, like, the... the the feeling in the room got as serious as, like, if he was a major alcoholic. And everybody's like, you gotta go to AA. But instead, they're like, you gotta get rid of that sword. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so great for my character. Just because it's great for numbers doesn't mean it's great for the party. Especially given that you've killed another player with it. And, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's just... As a GM... Just like stopping things that are getting out of hand, that also applies to dealing with your players' interactions with each other. This is not just, like, party dynamic. This is, you know, alright, I've noticed you and Joey aren't talking much these games. What's going on in your world? What's going on in your world? And let's see if we can't help that to at least be mitigated during game. Well, I think it's because your roommate believes that I am morally ambivalent and that he needs to just loosen ever so slightly that stick in his ass and realize that sometimes the only way to get the better good done is sometimes you've got to hurt some people. Sometimes you've got to do bad things or sell drugs or hurt or leg break some motherfucker out there, maybe in real life sometimes, just to make sure that the whole good and needs of the many are taken care of so that the prosperous many who actually contribute to society can benefit from the society that they buy into and not the dregs who bear down on the good people. And sometimes, sometimes, you just need to be a little morally gray in this world to make sure that the lights stay on and there's still some people out there who can see the beacon of light in the hills and know that they can head towards that light and have a better life. Sometimes, you've got to wear the skin of your enemies on your feet to make that happen. 
Yes. Now, That's why I'm not talking to Joey at the game table. See? And now the deal is, okay, now how do we get you two to work with each other for the purpose of gaming, or do we need to work it, worry about, like, breaking the party out? Oh, it's easy. This might be a good time, you know, to maybe call it off for a week or two, let things settle. Or completely let someone leave of their own volition. Or give someone an or, out. Or, yeah, there's... Oh my god, dude. We went through having to let someone have an out, complete out. Yeah, we, we've I've been part of that. You guys have heard the story, and I won't recount it because the podcast is not long enough for my long-winded stories. But sometimes as a GM, you also have to call in some guy to give everyone an out. And I did this in a vampire game. He wanted... <laughs> A bad guy to come in, join the game, be all nice and friendly with everybody, and then have the rest of the, the group shit out of dismantle him. the rest of the shit out of the group and basically be the bad guy. Oh my god, I'm going right back to that rant. But yeah, um, I, w- I went into the group to be a bad guy and piss off the rest of the players intentionally by the GM's design because he was tired of that game, but he didn't want to be the bad guy. And he was new. He he knew I was willing to take a hit for him on that the social meter. I'm like, fuck yeah! I'll, I'll come in and I'll piss everybody off, and then they can start new characters, new game, new characters. Boom! Everybody's happy, and I leave, and they're like, yeah, fuck that guy. You get what you want. The players get what they want. I get what I want. I get to have my jollies, and I'm off. I get to get my I get my jollies and Mountain Dew and tacos. <laughs> yeah. Tacos. Dude, I love tacos. Um, <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. I think, though, one of the most important things, and Blasphemous here, I know has learned it, because I've watched him learn it. <laughs> is this with my A-team, C-team, or B-team? This is with all your fucking teams. <laughs> and this is one of the first things I learned early on when I was about 17 the first time that I was trying to run a game. I was 17 or 18. And it's happened time and time again because it still happens. Even after 25 years, it will still inevitably happen. Learn to fail. And I I hate to say it as kind of like a a fucking catchphrase, but fail to win. Yep. Uh, Every time you fail, it's not a mistake. Okay, a mistake is something that happens and you did not learn a lesson. It was just like, oops, and I moved on. That's a mistake. When something bad happens at the game table and you stop and you think about it, it's an opportunity, it's a lesson, it's a learning experience. So at that point, you're failing, but what can you learn from it? And if you learn something, you win. And I have failed spectacularly spectacularly in some games i have failed hardcore in others the game that almost did me in i learned never try to run a game for drunk people yep i never rolled for that game i never invited those fuckers back to my table ever again i learned my lesson hardcore they're like oh yeah we need a gm come on and play and then everybody got rip you know started getting drinky i'm like i can handle this about five beers in, everybody was just, yeah. Hurting, hurting cats would be easy. Yeah, no kidding. 
Finding hurting f- frat boys. Yeah, hurting drunken frat boys. Jesus, fuck me, Christ. <laughs> so what is the way you saw me learn this lesson? Usually, when I, when I, when I was watching UGM, somebody would do something stupid. Like, uh, like you were just mentioning, you gave somebody a way out. Yeah. You invited somebody to your group. That person did not mesh with the others very well. There was some animosity, some personality conflicts going on. You found an out for that person, and you found the best scenario you could for everybody involved. So instead of going, oh, I invited somebody to were bad for the group, now my entire group's going to fucking fall apart, that's a mistake. A mistake would have been just moving on letting the whole thing fucking collapse. But you found a way to resolve the situation while there was still time to resolve the situation, to the best outcome you could see fit for everybody involved, yourself, your group, and the said person who was not exactly gelling. So that was a lesson. You had to learn how to negotiate with people on a level you probably never negotiated with them before. Am I right? Yep. So you And you had lesson. to learn it fast. Yeah, you had to learn it fast. And then the one I've got going on now is a party member who's been pretty involved since the beginning now needs an out due to real life aggro and it's not so much you know outside forces aggro it's voluntary aggro sign up for too much stuff or just like other things deciding to try and find a job that goes off on the weekend hmm which is weird because they have done everything else to make sure they had their weekends free for other things. But, you know, we all got real-life aggro. Luckily, that person is still employed after all this stuff going on. But, you know, I've got to deal with a possible group rearrange because I already had to take stuff into account for a party member being sent out on deployment the month before all this stuff went down with, you know, La Rona? Yep. Mm. La Rona! No, that'd be an actual terrifying disease. No, she babysits my kids. <laughs> ah, just say, yeah, like, I have to say, though, that as my closing statement for this week's podcast, though, is every time something bad happens at your table, every time something comes up that's, like, uncomfortable, that challenges you as a leader, because as a game master... You it, are one. It, it's almost... Uh, absolute at that point you are a leader you know your first few years of being a gm you are a leader in training without a a tutor you're lucky if you have somebody to tutor you it's like normally it's hey look there's a cliff shove normally your group starts out you already have a gm that gm will either leave or goes off somewhere else or if in most cases, you step up to become the GM and the uh, previous GM moves down the player and decides he likes to be a player or she likes to be a player and prefers somebody else carry it because being a game master is a lot of work. Uh, when you become a game master or a guild master, uh, you're pretty much setting yourself up to be in a full-time job without being in a full-time job. You're, you're doing data management, you're doing people management, you're herding cats... You're, you're handling budgets and numbers, all sorts of stuff. And when something bad happens, it's going to challenge you, especially during the first three or five years. Take these as opportunities to learn. 
They may not be the best opportunities. God, most of the time, opportunities... fret boys. Yeah, most of the time, opportunities uh, come a-knocking. It's more like your face is being hit with the door. Oh, hell, my walking, first walking, game walking, group, walking. I literally had to just cut it off. Yeah. You, you, sometimes you do have to cut it off, but the first question you should ask is not what did I do wrong or what did so-and-so do wrong, but look at the situation and be like, okay, how did this event play out? What were the catalysts for it happening? And if it does happen again, how do I resolve it without the worst case scenario or without a bad case scenario? How do I try to turn the situation around in the best case scenario possible every time? Yeah. Every, you know, how, do I, how do I try to turn this around? So every time you fail at the game table, if you have somebody get up in, in a huff and walk away, it's not necessarily you doing something wrong. It's not necessarily them doing something wrong. It may be. But sometimes you have to step out of your GM shoes. You have to step out of their shoes. You know, remove emotion from the equation and look at it logically. Mm. You know, look at it as, you know, uh, like watching uh, fucking Marty McFly can explain time travel. You know, where, where does the point start? At what point, you know, does the time travel diverge? And at what point, you know... Everything above the red line is something that I want to have happen. Everything below the red line, I don't want to happen. How, how do I try to make more above the red line happen? You know, mm-hmm. a little Back to the Future reference gone wrong there. Yes, and you know another really good skill that a a leadership a leader has is the ability to disassociate, which is exactly what you're just talking about. Is okay. I need to split from my emotions. Because, like, I'm mad and frustrated things aren't going at all. And, you know, these people are just getting more and more riled up. It's not good. Okay, deep breath. Move the emotions over. Let's get down to solving this and stopping it when it needs to be stopped. However that goes about. But the skill of being able to separate yourself from those emotions, to look at things logically... That is invaluable, and so is the data organization that you can get. What do you got? So you over there being all quiet and shit? Well, the the biggest thing I have come to know is that as a GM, you need to both be able to delegate, mitigate, and also, you know, kind of have a little bit of future sight for figuring out your plan. Uh, right now, with all the stuff that's been going on since February... A lot of us are having to figure out, all right, how do I get my game group back together? Who, you know, whose life has completely been turned around because of this? And that's what we're all going to face. So I'm going to say that the big thing for me is just trying to keep a ship together is a lot of work. But as a GM, I can't help but enjoy it because I get to tell my story collectively with some people I enjoy hanging out with truth. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much most of the beats that we can lay down for uh, leadership in gaming. So... I mean, I'm going to throw out the word adaptation. Learn to. Yeah, yeah. Definitely adaptation. Or uh, since I'm still playing a fuck ton of a particular MMO, I will say assimilation. (laughs) Do not be afraid to collect more knowledge. 
even cross-contaminate knowledge from time to time from different game systems. Like, uh, one of the things I do over and over that I've uh, kept in my tool bag is the Hook, Line, Sinker Adventures. Originally written for Palladium Games, but they translate well to others. So, assimilating. Taking stuff from one system, walk into another. Take what works, leave what doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's like a buffet. <laughs> in all the natural 20s, you can roll buffet. <laughs> okay, and that's it. On I'm, that note, uh, let's... Uh... Let's give this week a close, guys. All right. See you guys next week, unless, you know, Corona Chan decides to snuggle bunny with me in bed. And then, um... I almost have the feeling you'd enjoy that. I don't know of anyone who would enjoy dying from pneumonia. Uh, not that The Problem is, the theaters are closed. <laughs> Disneyland is closed. Indefinitely. The Olympics have been canceled. All sporting events have been canceled. Churches have been closed. <laughs> what am I supposed to do when I have snuggle time with Corona and can't show off to everybody in the world that I finally have a girlfriend? <laughs> that will be a very miserable relationship for me because I won't be able to, like, Share it. Share the love. <laughs> Just say. All right, that is Darth Blasphemous signing off. Gathercan, back to the skies. Uh, it's me, Game Goblin, going back to the crypt and climbing in my coffin. In Lolicon Monopoly, everybody goes to jail.